Come on, church, let's praise the Lord. Let's praise him. Praise him. Praise him. Praise him. While you're standing, let me read from the Holy Scripture our text for this morning, our focus for this time of worship together. The book of Matthew, chapter 26, and verse 39. Matthew 26 and 39. Then Jesus came with him to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to the disciples, sit here while I go and pray over there. He took with him Peter, the two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said unto them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. Stay here and watch with me. And he went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Then he came to the disciples and found them asleep. And he said to Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Verse 40 says, Could you not watch with me one hour? And that's the theme of our sermon today, one hour. Look toward your neighbor and just say to them, one hour. You may be seated. Peter, James, and John share the stage with Jesus in the drama that unfolds before us in our text for today. The rest of the disciples comprise the supporting cast. Jesus stands at a very critical time in his life and in his year. He stands near the end of a three-year, constant, 24-hour-a-day investment of himself into the lives of his disciples. He selected them as his disciples, as the ones who would perpetuate his work on the face of the earth. He's chosen the disciples as the special recipients of his love and of his attention. Constantly during this three-year period, he has been with the disciples. He had little time to pursue his own personal interests or to enjoy his own privacy. Even late at night when he stilled away for moments of private prayer, they would follow him and thwart his attempt to have even a few minutes alone with God the Father. Can you imagine it? Three years, three years, day in and day out, 24 hours a day with a group of 12 people constantly around you. 
Such an arrangement would be inconvenient, to say the least. But this was necessary because Jesus was giving them an intense, concentrated education and preparation for the continuance of his work on the face of the earth. And so he took time to teach them, to let them closely observe his lifestyle so that they could learn as much as was possible. Inconvenient, bothersome, yes, but it was the price that Jesus chose to pay. But it went even beyond this. Not only did he endure their constant companionship for three solid years, he ministered to their needs. He sustained them. All of them were supported by means of his ministry. And they relied on him for everything. We can't begin to discuss the miracles that he performed on their behalf or the sacrificial services that he rendered for them. He fed them, delivered them, provided for them. He literally lived for them for three solid years. Now they gather at Gethsemane. The shadow of the cross looms just ahead. Jesus stands on the verge of the most trying and painful ordeal of his life. And he said to his disciples, this thing is troubling me even unto death. It feels like it's killing me. I feel like it's killing me. And on the human level, Jesus felt unready for the pending ordeal without a night of prayer. This is the reason for their presence in the garden on that night. Judas, of course, was not with them. Thus Jesus left eight of the disciples on the outskirts of the garden, and he carried Peter, James, and John with him into the interior of the garden. They'd also been with Jesus at his transfiguration, and they were prominent throughout his ministry. They were members of what some have called Christ's inner circle of friends. All of the disciples were his friends, but somehow these three had a special place in his heart and in his experience. He felt especially close to these three and envisioned ministries for them that were especially outstanding. So it was an honor for them. They were fortunate to have occupied such a privileged position. And it may be that they were somehow proud of the closeness that they shared with Jesus and felt that they were somehow privileged characters. But closeness carries with it a great responsibility. You tell your neighbor, closeness carries with it great responsibility. Jesus, at the single most emotionally trying moment of his life, felt a need for the companionship of those who were closest to him on the earth. He had discussed with them many times what was about to happen. As the moment drew near, he needed their sympathetic concern. He needed to know that they had been listening during those three years of ministry. He needed to know that they understood the significance 
of what was about to happen. So he who had given them so much, he who had sacrificed so greatly for their well-being, asked them for one small favor. He asked them for one hour. Tell your neighbor all he asked for was one hour. He said, just be with me in the hour of my trial. He knew that they would not last throughout the whole ordeal. He knew that they would not walk the road he had to walk. It was not God's will that they be crucified then. God was going to protect them. They were going to be sustained. And Jesus did not expect them at that time to die for him. All he wanted was one hour. He issued to them a small, simple request. He said, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry here and watch with me. He turned away from God for a moment to receive comfort from his friends. How many of you know we need and desire both human and divine comfort? We need God, and then we need some folk filled with the Holy Ghost and saved to love us and to have compassion upon us. You sing the little song, I need you, you need me. We're all a part of God's body. Stand with me, pray with me, have faith for me and with me. We're all a part of the body of Jesus Christ. When you look over towards your neighbor and say, neighbor, I need you. Clap your hands for your neighbor. And the loving, concern, support of friends is excelled only by the anointing of God in terms of its ability to lift us and to encourage our hearts. Jesus wanted them to share in the agony of the trial so that the taste of victory might be all the more sweet. There's no more dejected person than the one who refused to participate in the struggle but is present for the victory celebration. He didn't know what to do with himself. He wouldn't fight, he wouldn't run, he wouldn't work, he wouldn't labor, he wouldn't participate in the struggle. Now, the rest of you all did, and now the victory celebration is taking place, and he stood on the sideline when everybody was struggling. Now, he doesn't know what to do with himself. Doesn't know how to act, doesn't know what to say. Well, well, uh, uh, y'all sure did. Do it, yeah, they did it because you didn't help and you didn't work and you were not, weren't involved in the struggle. But when everybody struggles together and everybody works together and labors together and victory time comes, everybody gets to celebrate and praise God for victory. But it's difficult to enjoy the victory if you were not in the struggle. He wanted them to do that which was, which was for their good. You see, we, they, they, they faced an ordeal also. And what they could have done for him would have helped them also. When Jesus said the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak, most people take that to mean that Jesus was excusing them and justifying their sleepiness. And they use it to justify their failure. They stand back on the sideline, say, well, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. But note the whole sinners, watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. In other words, he said, I know you are willing, 
but also I know that you are weak, and you can only become strong by watchfulness and prayer. Jesus was saying, when you get weak, and when the flesh is weak, that's not time to step back and deny any responsibility. That's time to say, Lord, help me. Lord, fill me with your power. Lord, anoint me that I can take hands the task. Lord, help me to do the job. Help me to do the work. Why don't you lift up your hands to Lord, help me to do your will and to work for you. Come on, clap your hands and give praise to God. You can only become strong by watchfulness and prayer. And so Jesus knew what they had promised, but he also knew how weak they were. And he knew how much they needed to pray. The devil laughs at your high-sounding testimonies, but he trembles when you pray. All the disciples said, if I die with you, I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to deny you. And they were sincere. And so many people are sincere today. But you cannot survive for God without the power of God. And the only way to get the power of God is worship and prayer and watchfulness. Some folk watch without praying, and so, some folk pray without watching. But Jesus said, watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. If they had been prayerful, God would have made them an eternal example of how God's people ought to act under stress. He asked them to wait. He asked them to tarry. Now, waiting is a very difficult thing to do. Waiting is an extremely difficult endeavor. But if waiting is properly utilized, waiting can be extremely beneficial. Tell your neighbor, waiting is good for you. Some of y'all are in a waiting period now. You prayed for blessings and for miracles, for God's power, but God hadn't done it yet. And how many of you are in a waiting period now? Well, the Bible says he may not come when you want him, but he'll be right on time. And life is full of waiting periods. And success is more dependent on what is done with your waiting period than on any other factor. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, your success is dependent on what you do with your waiting period more than any other factor. Listen, God has a blessing in store for you, but God is preparing it, getting it ready. Hallelujah. And when God gets it ready, God's going to bring it into your life. And when you are ready, God's going to bring it into your life. But in the meantime, even the youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall utterly fall, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Not upon wings as eagles run, and not be weary, walk and not faint. You can't hurry, God. You just got to wait. Got to trust him and give him time, no matter how long it takes. And so the Lord said, listen, you fellas, watch and pray. Hold on, I'll be back in a while, but I want you to pray for me. My, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death. I need you to watch with me. I need you to pray with me. But notice how they responded. Are you all still with me? How they responded. Number one, they were tired. And they yielded to their tiredness. You know, it's amazing to me that people can do everything tired except serve God. 
I wish somebody would wake up and pray for me now. They go to work tired. They respond to family and friends tired. They pursue hobbies and recreation in the midst of tiredness. But when it comes to worshiping God and the service of God, I would have done it, but I was so tired. I wonder about that. If love of God is the greatest of all the commandments, our tired excuse does not impress God when we do everything else. Tired. Hallelujah. They failed to comprehend what a significant moment they were experiencing. The Son of God was about to die on a rugged cross and rise again from the dead, and they were tired. He was thinking about death. They were thinking about their physical relaxation and ease. They didn't feel the burden like Jesus felt the burden. And they were not mindful of the fact that they had told him that they love him. It means something when you tell God you love him. And the Lord, the, the Lord said, that, listen, those who are, do the will of my Father are my disciples and are the ones that love me. And so he said, if you, don't, if you love me, you, you'll do anything you have to do to bring glory into my life. Listen, Jesus saw that the spirit was willing, but the flesh was weak, and they did nothing to bring the flesh under subjection. Listen, the first the flesh is that sinful part of man. And listen, when you pray, you can overcome the sinfulness and the weakness of the flesh, and you can receive the power of Almighty God. But the flesh has to be whipped into line and whipped into the will of God and kept in subjection. And when you're growing weak, don't just let it happen. Pray, and God will give you strength. But you just tell your neighbor, when you get weak, don't just let it happen, but pray, and God will give you strength. They sacrifice the future for the present. And I need to just pause and let you know that a few minutes can change your whole life. One hour's behavior can be the difference between failure and success, life and death, joy and sorrow. But they took the path of convenience. They were sleepy, and then they went to sleep. And they said, Lord, it's not convenient for us to stay awake right now. I don't know where the idea came from, but some people have the idea that religion is supposed to be convenient. I just came by to tell you, religion is not supposed to be convenient. It was not convenient for Jesus to come to this earth. It was not convenient for Jesus to hang on the cross. It was not convenient for him to die on our behalf. But thank God, even though it was inconvenient, he died just the same. And if he was inconvenienced for you, then you ought to be willing to be inconvenienced for Jesus Christ. Look over at your neighbor and say, neighbor, if Jesus was inconvenienced for us, we ought to be willing to be inconvenienced for him. Must Jesus bear the cross alone? And all of the world go free. No, there's a cross for everyone. And there's a cross for me. A consecrated cross I'll bear till death shall set me free. And then go home a crown to wear. 
for there is a crown for me. Does anybody want a crown? If you want a crown, you've got to be willing to be inconvenienced. You've got to be willing to pay the price. Jesus had been asked by them to teach them to pray. Now the time came to pray, and they went to sleep. Knowing how to pray is not enough. When the time comes to pray, you've got to be there saying, Father, I stretch my hand to thee. None of the help I know if you withdraw yourself from me. Where, oh, where shall I go? They followed the path of reason, the path of rational thought. They said, Jesus said, a lot of things are going to happen on tomorrow that we should watch and pray. But I think it's best that we go to sleep and get us some rest so that tomorrow we'll be ready and all prepared for whatever will come. But I just thought I'd let you know the best way to be prepared for anything is to be a person of prayer and come before God, asking God to help you and to show up in your life. Anybody know the Lord knows how to show up? I said the Lord will show up in their storm. They woke Jesus up in his storm. They went to sleep in their storm. He came to them walking on the water in his storm. They left him all by himself. Receiving is always easier than giving. And the cross was not convenient for Jesus. They were not enthralled by what they were privileged to experience. They said, Jesus has brought us in to a very personal moment. And he's asked us to pray with him. What an honor to pray with the Son of Almighty God. What an honor it is to pray with Jesus, the one who came all the way from heaven down. Come on, tell your neighbor it's an honor and a privilege to serve the Lord. Anything he asks me to do, I'll do it because he loved me enough to die for me. I've got to serve him. I've got to work for him. I've got to love him. He has blessed me. I cannot fail him. I can't let him down. Tell three people, don't let Jesus down. Don't let him down. He died for you. Don't let him down. He came all the way from heaven down. All he wants is one hour. When you tell somebody all he wants is one hour. The suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed. I wish somebody would praise the Lord. Praise him. Praise him. Jesus said, watch with me. One hour. Watch with me. Pray with me. God can bring me through this. I know I'll overcome, but I need your prayer. I need you to stand with me. Child of God, what are you doing when the Lord's work is in trouble? Which way do you turn when your brother and sister need some help? Are you there to encourage them and lift them up? Or do you go your way? 
seeking your own well-being. I don't know about you, but I'll live for him who died for me. Jesus came all the way from heaven down. Whatever I've got to do to please him, I'm going to do it. And way, way down in my heart, I'll always say yes. Will you stand up and say yes to the will of God? Yes, to the plan of God. Yes, I'll pray. Yes, I'll serve you. I'll do your will. Come on and praise him. Praise him. Praise him. Let me tell you something. You've got to live this life one hour at a time. Would you tell somebody you've got to live this life one hour at a time? There was a time that I did not understand this, and I worried about the future. I worried about future trials. I worried about future temptations. I worried and was condemned about the possibility of future sins. I wondered in my heart, can I really live for the Lord for five years? for 10 years, for the rest of my life. But the Lord let me know I should not worry about five years down the road. I should not worry about tomorrow. I should not even worry about tonight. I'm saved right now. And the same God that saves me now can keep me the rest of my life. Come on and tell your neighbor, neighbor, I'm saved right now. And the God that saves me is able, he's able to keep me. Shake hands with somebody and say, hold on, just one more hour. If you hold on this hour, the next hour, God will step in and help you to make it through the next hour. And the next hour, you've got to live it hour by time. Come on, thank God. Come on, give God praise. Give God glory. But we've got to understand, but we've got to understand that what Christ asks us to do is small compared to what God has given us. And I'll serve him because I love him. When I think of eternity, when I think of the goodness of the Lord, one hour is the least I can give. I can give him not only one hour, but I'll give him my whole life. All he asks is for one hour. Come on, tell your neighbor all he's asking for is one hour. I know you can make it for one more hour. I know you can hold on for just one more hour. Child of God, it's going to be all right. Get up, stand up, put your hand in the hand of God. Say, Lord, I'm going to serve you for one more hour. I'm going to glorify you for one more hour. But I'll serve you this hour, and you'll take care of the next hour and the next hour. Come on and praise the Lord. That one hour is a small sacrifice. It's a small price. Just one hour. But I love you. I'll serve you. I'll say yes to the will of God. I'll serve you. Weeping.
may endure for a night, but joy will come in the morning. I'm not going to get tired. I'm not going to get weary. But I compare this hour to my eternal life. An hour is nothing in comparison to eternity. But you tell your neighbor an hour is nothing when you compare it to eternity. I tell three people, hold on just a while longer. Hold on just a while longer. Hold on. Going to be all right. All right. All right. They that wait, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Child of God, I see God working a miracle in your life. I see your strength being renewed. I see you holding on and going higher. Come on and praise him. Praise him. Praise him. Come on and praise the Lord. Come on and praise the Lord. Come on and praise him. Praise him. Praise him. Praise him. Yes, Lord. Yes, to your will. Yes, Lord. Yes, you command. My soul says yes. Clap your hands and praise. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, give God praise, give God praise, give God praise. Could you not watch with me one hour? I don't know how you feel about it, but in my heart I'm saying, God, as good as you've been to me, as much as you've done for me, whatever I've got to do to serve you. Not only will I give you an hour, I'll give you a day. I'll give you my whole life. Because you've been so good to me. Is that your prayer? I want everybody just get in the aisle, make your way down to the altar. This is your day. I live for him who died for me. How happy then my soul will be. I live for him who died for me. My Savior and my God. You're coming down to the altar to say yes to God. You're coming down to the altar to surrender all to the will, to the plan of Almighty God. You're coming down to the altar because you realize that whatever the Lord wants is small compared to what he deserves and what he's given me. I want to say yes to God. Yes to your will. Yes to your plan. Yes to your command. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. From the bottom of my heart and the depth of my soul. My yes, Lord. Soul says yes. 
stand up. Child of God. Those are the words that Bishop Mason carved the church out with. He was a yes, Lord man. And his prayer was yes, Lord. All over the world, his name is famous because he said yes, Lord. Yes is the safest place in the whole wide world. It's in God's will. The wisest answer you can give God is yes, Lord. I'll do your will. I'll obey your voice. I'll do what you command. The Lord says, I want you to wait for me one hour. And I want us to be willing to say, yes, Lord, thy will be done. When I count to three, I want you to begin to say, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, as loud as you can, as fast as you can, until I tell you to stop. Because God wants to hear us say yes on today. And when I count to three, I want you to explode with the Lord. Our soul says yes. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. One, two, three. Come on, tell him. Yes, 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 yes. 
into our lives deliverance and power and blessing and healing and provision everything we need is in that yes everything we desire is in that yes hallelujah 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 it's all in the yes come on thank God for your miracles Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. For we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and to them who are the called according to his purpose. Tell your name if you're in God's purpose and if you seek God first, all these things will be added unto you and everything is going to work out. All right, clap your hands and just praise the Lord. Stand where you are just for a moment. Just stand right where you are. I'm going to call for those who want to be saved, those who want to receive Jesus into your life. We've talked about surrendering our will to his will and our life to his. If you're willing this day, my brother, my sister, 